I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Dirk Cutter names a quarterback for Sunday's game against the Giants in New York, and it is not, I repeat, it's not Jameis Winston. Ryan Fitzpatrick will make his, get this, seventh start of the season, Winston was benched, remember, just after 10 turnovers in three and a half games. Well, Fitzpatrick has had five turnovers in two games, but this is a move for the future, maybe Dirk Cutter's future. So what does this mean for Winston? We'll talk about that. And the Bucks finally cut ties with place kicker Chandler Catanzaro. I mean, this guy, you knew he had to go. He missed four field goals, four missed extra points, of course, two missed field goals in that 16-3 loss to the Washington Redskins on Sunday. And it didn't take long to find his replacement. They signed Cairo Santos, the former Chiefs place kicker. He's also with the Rams a little bit and the Bears. And so he will start and hopefully not uh, have part of the curse of the Bucks tampa Bay place kickers. I mean, it's kind of been one thing that's been going around here forever. And uh, kind of a neat thing, Marty St. Louis was inducted into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. And the Lightning did something that was pretty neat to honor him. We'll talk about that. We have all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And before we get started, folks, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, who doesn't? For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, you got lots of choices for air conditioning companies, but Millionaire is currently offering... 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Now, give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Trust Millionaire. So I wrote this uh, in the Tampa Bay Times uh, this morning in talking about Dirk Cutter. Uh, remember that great philosopher, Lovey Smith? who always said, or once said, it's not about the future, Rick, it's always about the future. Well, I think Dirk Cutter's decision to stick with Fitzpatrick is about the future, but it's about to, it's about his own, as I said in the opening. I mean, to me, Steve, I, the, the, I really did expect that now where we're at at the season, where they would have to run the table, essentially, to get to 10 wins, which doesn't guarantee you a wild-card spot, but would get you close to it, that the Bucks would turn to Jameis Winston against the Giants this Sunday and just say, you know what, you got seven weeks for us to determine what you're all about and whether we want to, you know, pick up the fifth-year option, assuming you don't get hurt before then because it's only guaranteed against injury. And, you know, and away we go. And, and hey, and, and the reason would have been the same reason they benched Winston in the first place. Ryan Fitzpatrick is turning the ball over, and he's turning it over at a rate that Jameis Winston was, five turnovers in the last two games. Now, the counter to that is I realized they just put up 501 yards against the Washington Redskins, which inexplicably produced only three points. By comparison, I think the New Orleans Saints had 507 or nine yards 
um, the other day at Cincinnati, and they put up 51, <laughs> okay? So that's what you're supposed to do when you have 500 yards. Yeah, they scored um, on nine straight possessions, I believe, in that game. Yeah, they never. I don't think they ever punted. It's incredible. But, I mean, this this was sort of what I was anticipating, and I must admit I was – without any hesitation he says you know we're going to start fits this week and i i guess what you have to think and and this is this is what coaches in dirt cutter needs to think i suppose and that is okay they're three and six they go and play the new york giants which were playing monday night in san francisco and have to fly three thousand miles back and have a home game but it's going to be a short week for them they're not going to get back until you know really what tuesday morning and then they have a home game against the San Francisco 49ers, who were also playing Monday night. Um, and they got to come east, and they're not a very good team. So, you know, realistically, you could talk yourself into saying, man, if we don't turn the ball over and our defense plays anywhere near what it did the other day against, against um, Washington, then we might actually win those two games, and then all of a sudden I'm right back in it. And this is how you think when – it's your final season. Like, if, if this were – there's no question in my mind if this was Dirk's first or second year. In fact, we saw him do it last year. I mean, Jameis Winston hurt his shoulder. They finally sat him down for three weeks, but they didn't hesitate him to put him back in there. And you know what? He didn't play that great every game, but it didn't matter what the record was. They were going to play Jameis Winston, and they did until the season was over. But this is the final year if Dirk Cutter doesn't win, and perhaps for Jason Light as well. And it's clear to me, one thing became crystal clear to me uh, with this decision, is that Dirk Cutter doesn't trust Jameis Winston. That was my takeaway. You obviously had an opening. You could put Jameis Winston back as the starter coming this week. You, sure. You lost. You're now 3-6. and six. You've got to pretty much run the table and hope to get in the playoffs at that point. That's right. Uh, so, and, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had, what, a fumble and two interceptions? Yeah. You can't blame only three points on him as the field goal kicker missed two kicks too. But so you had, if you wanted to put him back in, you did. So Dirk's either doing this one because, as he said, Fitzpatrick gives him the best chance to win. So he obviously believes that. You know, he's what he said today, he believes, or he absolutely has no faith in Jameis. And the question is, does the organization? Well, I don't know the answer to that, you know, I, I, and maybe I could be wrong. I've been saying consistently that my understanding anyway, and this was before Jameis was benched. So, you know, people's opinions do change as they get further away from things. But my understanding, I was told that the Glazers love Jameis Winston, that, you know, no matter what happened to him with the three-game suspension, they think it's two and a half years ago, love was he, what he's about, love, love what he wants to become, two and a half years, done everything right, the way he treats people in the building, his passion for the game, that that no matter what, Jameis Winston was going to be here next year. And even if it took paying him the nearly $21 million, you know, for the fifth-year option, that they were, they were going to do it, that the Glazers really wanted that to happen. Now, you, you know, can his performance have changed some opinions maybe? Yeah, it could have. But I don't... You know, I, I still don't have any evidence that they're not going to invite him back. But the more I see of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I guess you have to let the coach coach his team and make decisions about who plays. I mean, Fitzpatrick did throw again for 406 yards. Was that like the fourth or fifth game he's thrown for over 400 yards this year? Mm -hmm. He didn't have any touchdowns. He had the, the two interceptions, which we can talk about. 
The fumble um, is on him. He didn't keep two hands on the ball at the four-yard line. But if you remember, it came one play after Mike Evans dropped a touchdown pass. So if you're watching the game, you know, the all-22 tape after after the game, you're seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick get them in the end zone, and then the guy dropped the ball, and then and then the stack fumble comes. So you say to yourself, well, you know, how much of this is all on Ryan? And, and, and oh, by the way, the guard got beat on the play, and – you know, I mean, there's there's always a lot of reasons for turnovers, but, you know, they always go on to the quarterback. But they're minus 19 right now, which is worse than the league, and they've had 13 turnovers in the last four games. Well, Ryan played two of those, and it, the, the takeaways have not gone away. But for Cutter to play him, he has to think that there is a, a significant difference between Winston and what Fitzpatrick is able to do even with the turnovers, like knowing that, that Fitzpatrick didn't play winning football, he still, when he goes to bed at night on Saturday in New Jersey City or wherever they're going to be uh, before the game, he's got to say to himself, I am completely comfortable with Fitzpatrick playing this game, and I am not comfortable with Jameis Winston, and that's why I'm going with Fitzpatrick. And it seems odd to me. Because I don't think Fitzpatrick has a future with this franchise other than as a backup somewhere down the road, if he plays at all. And I'm curious, like, what the plan is for Jameis because I think you're sending a pretty clear signal to him that your head coach, he's kind of done with you at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, Dirk Cutter, at this point you're 3-6. and six. You called it courageous that the owners brought you back for this season to begin with. You're now 3-6. and six. That right. he's going to go out his way, and he showed that with the play calling as well. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to go out with my quarterback, my play calling, what I think is going yeah. to be the best chance to win this week, and I'm going to worry about this week only. That that's because what, that's what at this point do. I'm not promised next week or the week after. I mean, I, I think too. he will. I think he will. I don't think the Glazers will make a move in the middle of the season. I think they'll wait till the end of the season. But yes. they could. They could make a move in the middle of the season if they chose. They I don't could. know. You know, I guess Todd Munkin would probably at that point take over since Mike Smith's gone. But right. I don't think you can read a ton into what message he's sending about Jameis because I, I think he's just in preservation mode. He's I think trying it's, to win it's, a game. it's about yeah. I'm trying to win a game and, and keep my job for next year, and I'll worry about next year when it comes. That I, I, well, he'd you know. be happy to have next year, but, I mean, I, I just think that from an organizational standpoint, it makes a whole lot more sense in, in the big picture. You know, like they always say, right, you think long-term, the owners will think long-term. You think short-term, the owners are going to think short-term. What do you think the owners are thinking about Dirk Cutter right now? Very short-term. I'm guessing at right? this point their mind's made up. Well, it could be, unless barring a, a, you know, a stack of six out of seven wins. I don't even know um, if that would change it. I think it would. You go nine and seven after this mess? Oh, yeah. But it, that is, isn't that what isn't that what happened seven? a couple of years ago with the defense, and then you signed Mike Smith to a big contract, and yeah, uh, you know, it is. had five great games at the end of the season when you're already out of yeah, it. Yeah, but I it's mean, more. Here's the thing: it's more than five great games. I mean, well, yeah, they would have. I mean, the, overall as a team, it would be five great games. But you know, the problem with the problem with all of this is that when you let Dirk Cutter go, you're letting go of the best side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. You know, it's not like he coaches defense. I mean, he he has brought Dirk Cutter's contribution to the Bucks will forever be bringing at least the most mm-hmm. prolific and and productive offense that they've ever or maybe will ever have. 
Um, and, you know, points aside, they certainly could have scored more, but they've scored their share. And there's never going to be another offense quite like this. So firing him and, and his staff with Todd Munkin and everybody else means that you're starting over with the offense. You who might says, still who have says, some Who says Todd weapons. Munkin has to go? Well, You could bring in a defensive coach and let Munkin run the offense. You'd have to force him on whoever became the head coach, you know, next, yeah. which has happened. I'm not, I'm not saying it will happen. Same. I'm saying there, you know, there are more possibilities out there than just firing, you know, than getting Dirk and the whole coaching staff. No, coach. that's true. I mean, you absolutely could. Uh, you could make Tom Munkin your offensive coordinator if you could marry him up with the right head coach. You know, whether that's a defensive guy or whatnot. I mean, here Marvin Lewis um, might be available at the end of the year, so you could hire him. You know, I think Marvin Lewis <laughs> is actually going to go work for. Uh, uh, well, Marvin Lewis. Now yeah. that Hugh okay. Jackson's going to take over the Bengals at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say he's coming on the staff at the Bengals. Where, but Hugh worked there and was very successful. Yeah, as no, no, Hugh, Hugh was a tremendous offensive coordinator there, and and, yeah. and they love him. The, the Browns and stuff love him. I don't know if they'd make him the next head coach, but they do love yeah. him and and bring him in. It's not a surprise. Right. There's another guy that, as a coordinator, really good. As mm-hmm. a head coach, not so good. <laughs> There's a lot of guys you know? like that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's very different being a coordinator when it's about football and a head coach when it's about everything else. Well, I'll give you a couple. I mean, Wade Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. The best defensive coordinators still today is with the Rams now. Um, and you would think maybe the game's passed him by or he lost his fastball. But as a head coach, he won occasionally a year here, a year there. But he's a much better coordinator. Look at the pretty you know? much the whole Belichick coaching tree. True, true. Very few of them have gone on to be head, good head coaches. No. They're yeah, very that's, good that's, coordinators. That's so true. And and yet, you know, um, yeah, so to your point, I mean, it, it, it is possible that maybe they keep, you know, a portion of it. Um, but I don't know, man. This was, this was a weird day. I mean, it was one of those – I didn't expect this. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I expected Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, I, and from my understanding, by the way – this was not like a slam dunk. Like Dirk gave it real thought about Jameis. Like, and this is background, but from my understanding, um, it could have gone either way. And in some ways, they probably felt like they didn't have a great option either on the other side. Because if you play Jameis, and he and he's still Jameis Winston, and now he hasn't played in two or three weeks, so he may not be sharp. Um, at least you're moving the ball up and down the field. You've got to get in the red zone and you can't turn it over. But Jameis could go out there and be awful. You know what I mean? Like he's never been in this situation before. So you don't know how he's going to respond to it. I think there's just – I just think there's more knowns about the way Fitzpatrick is playing right now, you know, interception and fumbles and stuff aside. And so we've always said this, you know, what does the coach get any sleep the night before because of his decision about who he's playing? And I think – I think Cutter can sleep at night, you know, and, and so much of this is about Cutter anyway because these guys have to win, and I guess you respect the owners for saying, hey, we're going to sit over here and stay out of it, and you can do what you want because it's your football team and that's what we hired you to do, but when it's all said and done, then we'll have our say. And I think that, you know, they're giving Cutter the latitude mm-hmm. he needs to play who he wants to play, and I'm not sure that's the case in every organization. No, probably not. And I know everyone's worried about, you know, Jameis for next year and what your quarterback's going to be. At the end of the day, I mean, let's, for for the assumption of, let's assume they bring in a new coaching staff next year and maybe even Mm -hmm. a new general manager. 
You're going to keep Jameis Winston next year, and he'll be your quarterback most likely. At $20.9 million, not an outrageous number for a quarterback. No. Maybe he may not be worth quite that much, but as far as in your salary cap world, you're going to bring him back and, and let the new coaches decide on him, and maybe you draft a quarterback this year, or maybe you wait one more year to do it. Yep. And you make a decision. And you can always franchise tag Jameis for three years. After that, if you if he if he plays lights out, knocks you out of the park, and then wants a long term deal, and you're not ready to commit yet, you can just franchise him for three years after that. So you're not you don't have to make the decision on Jameis this year. No, you'd like to maybe and if they if they lose the next game and are three and seven, maybe at that point you want to okay, let's put him back in and see what we've got and see how much he's progressed, but. Ultimately, you don't have to make the decision this year. Everyone's hung up on you know one year at twenty point nine million next year. It's not an outrageous number for a quarterback. Not for the position. Yeah. When you look at the entire position, and I don't know that Fitzpatrick will play. Was he three something million dollars a year? But you know, Ryan Griffin makes about a million two five or somewhere in there. So you could have a situation where like Griffin was your number two, um, simply because Fitzpatrick may retire. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he is he is literally year to year. He's about to have. Or his wife's about to have, I think, their eighth kid. The seventh or eighth, yeah. Seventh or eighth kid. Um, well, it might be eight by now, but I, mean, I think it was seven like five minutes ago. And then, well, never mind. Um, but, they, you know, he's he's up there in Phillip Rivers' territory. And I, I, I talked to Fitzpatrick when I did the interview with him um, a couple of days, a couple about a week ago. And he goes, I said, well, you know, I mean, Brady's going to be, you know, 42 and these guys are playing longer and longer and you're fairly youthful. And why would you even consider the way you were playing at that time, uh, hanging it up? And he just said, Rick, life gets complicated. (laughs) And, and I mean, but if you look at his history, 14 years in the NFL, seven different teams, um, about five, you know, well, seven different cities too. his wife always being the one that has to pack up and move everybody. And, And now he's got a number of kids who are in school Mm-hmm. who like living here, who like going to school. And you just wonder how much you're going to put your family through for your own selfish pursuits Yep. You know, of, of being a starting quarterback. I mean, I don't think money's the option. He's he's from Harvard. He, I'm sure he's figured out what to do with all the millions he's made at this point. So, you know, really, what are you starting with? You know, I mean, you've got Winston, you've got Ryan Griffin, and, and we'll see. But – you know, the salary cap goes up every year. I mean, people are so fixated on salary cap, I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Because if Fitzpatrick falls off and, and you know, Ryan Griffin's not making any well, money. Well, you figure Brent Grimes may fall off next year. Grimes may fall off. You might you probably you might have Deshaun Jackson fall off. You exactly. might have uh, Quan Alexander falls off. You might have you can make a the lot money, of guys. You can make the money work. That, Plus, it, it, the cap it's for goes one up. Year. It's for one year. It's one year, and the cap goes up about $10 million every year because the revenues go up. Mm-hmm. And it, it's based on designated gross revenue. So, you know, I mean, I can remember when the cap was under $100 million, and now it's, shoot, it's probably up around 160 or so. Um, so, I mean, that's it's not hard money to find under a salary cap. I think it's funny. People always get fixated about the bucks of money. Like, like it's not yours, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that you're paying... I, a couple of things. I get you're paying ticket prices, and that's helping to pay the players. Um, but the other thing is, like the Glazers have to spend so much of it anyway on mm-hmm. player costs. Yep. Like they're they're under they're under obligation by the CBA to spend such a percentage on on designated gross revenues on player costs. So they're going to have to give it to somebody anyway. Yep. Um, but so it's no re- there's no reason to fixate on what this guy or that guy makes. 
But the point is, is you don't have to make the decision this year if you don't want. You don't. No, you can wait. You absolutely can wait because it's not till the start of the league year where if Jameis passes a physical, now you can decide to honor the contract or you can just get out without any penalties. But like I said, you can bring them back next year and give them the job and see if it works then, whether it's this coaching sure. staff or another one. It's not The decision doesn't have to be made now. It doesn't. And what I'm wondering if we ever get to that point, and we'll talk about this much, much later, but you know, will they find a coach that will accept Jameis or will they find a coach that gets to decide whether he accepts Jameis? You know what I mean? Like that's those are two different types of coaches. My guess is is it's gonna be you're gonna find a coach that gets to decide on Jameis, but Jameis is your quarterback going into next year. Is well then you're deciding for it, it him. Doesn't, I'm not saying have, starting. He's on the roster, he's your quarterback next year. You may draft a quarterback, you may But at twenty one million if Jameis is there, you're not signing a quarterback. But you could draft one. But at twenty-one million dollars, he in, in, no matter who you draft, you're going to play. You're going to end up playing Jameis. You're basically saying, "I'm going to play this guy." I think. I don't know if he's on the roster. To me, you're not doing it. Well, I mean, this year he's not making twenty-one million, but but next year he would. He's your franchise quarterback. And you're not playing him. "Quote unquote" franchise quarterback. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I don't have a good answer for people that that. Um, follow me on Twitter and they ask me, well, does this mean that the ownership is done with Jameis? I don't have any, I can't answer that question. I don't know. You could make the argument that if they're letting this go on, that they're like, ah, I've seen enough, but you're clearly still not worried about injury or he being active. Um, and I, I just don't have a good sense of like, where has something changed? Do they think, you know, he's, he's done, done. Like we're never going to see him again. If Fitzpatrick plays well, it's weird. The whole thing is weird to me. But what I do know and what I do understand is a head coach trying to win Sunday, trying to get a win. And he's convinced that if they don't turn the ball over, which is something they do every week, uh, and God forbid if they got one, which they haven't, you know, they got exactly one interception all year, that they're a good enough football team to beat a lot of teams, particularly the Giants and the 49ers. And if you did that, if you got that feeling back, if you won two in a row and you've got, you know, two other teams coming here the weeks after that, um, I can see where you could talk yourself into thinking, you know, this is really too soon to start placating, you know, ownership mm-hmm. uh, about whether Jameis Winston can play because I don't think he can. And I think that's what I think that's what Cutter is saying is that, hey, given the choice, this guy gives us the best chance to win and I need to win. That's and true. It's just interesting. It's really interesting to me that it went this way. Well, I can tell you one thing we do know, Rick. What's that? The Bucks will have a new kicker this week. They will. And it won't be Chandler uh, Catanzaro. May happy trails to you. Pick up your copy of uh, Where Did Roberto Aguayo, Nick Folk, uh, you know, Kyle Brenza. We need to create, you know, they've got, the, they've got the Browns starting quarterback jersey with the 30 names on it. They yeah. need to have the Matt Bryant Bucks jersey with the names on it after him. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what I let's see. I think it's about seven kickers now since in yeah, the last seven. five or it's six seven, years. I think it's, it's seven it's, since 2015. Yeah, I think it's like nine or ten since 2009, which is the most in the NFL. I think I saw someone tweet that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today, I don't remember who. I wish I could give credit, but I don't remember where I saw that. I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to start the FFPKA, you know what I mean? The Florida Fireplace Kickers Association, man. (laughs) Well, Rich Eisen always says punters are people, too. Well, what about place kickers? (laughs) Uh, It's really something. You know, I can't – and and by the way, to replace him, um, they signed – who they signed? Uh, Cairo Santos. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, used to be with Kansas City for a number of years. He kicked for the Rams, I think, as recently as this year. Chicago Bears for a little while, mm-hmm. um, and he's been a, he's been a really good field goal kicker. So I mean, I think I saw you tweet eighty six field goals the last three seasons. In his first three seasons, he had eighty six, okay. and he's kind of bounced around after an injury. But um, yeah, he's he's actually been a pretty a pretty productive kicker. But hey, haven't they all until they get here? <laughs> I mean, there is something. You can't tell me that, okay, league-wide there's something going on just simply because they moved the extra point back and all. It's definitely had an effect on these guys. Um, but in Tampa, like, you can bring in – I'm convinced they could bring in Adam Vinatieri and he'd start missing, you know. Uh, Goskowski would start missing. I mean, it's just a thing like this this curse of Matt Bryan or whatever that's hanging over this, this franchise with place kickers. And, and a lot of people – you know, they wrapped Jason Light really hard about the Roberto Aguayo. How could you trade up draft picks to move to the second round and take a place kicker? But this is exactly what he was trying to avoid. Roberto Aguayo was the best place kicker in college in a decade or two. In history, yeah. yeah. And so he was thinking, if this guy is a, a, a transformative talent, if he is Sebastian Janikowski-like, Mm-hmm. in terms of his accuracy, which he was off the chains. I mean, nobody kicked as well as he did, that I'm done. You know, I could be done with this for 10 years. This guy could play here. You know, we may never even have to think about another kicker. And so he went for it, and it didn't work out. And now you just – but it's weird that these guys, you know, I mean, even Catanzaro had not missed an extra point all of last year. He misses four. And, 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 you know, I think it's a lot harder to kick down here than people realize. I think the wind is a factor. Mm-hmm. But psychologically, I think they inherit this curse. Well, they hear know. about it all the time. I mean, that's – Of I mean, course they do. And, and kicking is so much mental. I mean, that's why, oh. that's why you ice the kicker. Right. That's why every coach saves timeouts to ice the kicker every time they're going to kick one at the end of a half or a, at the end of the game because you're that's trying right. to mess with their head. And once you miss one, it's in your head. Because totally. all the questions about it, and then all week, and and so then it's in your head, and you miss a second one, and then then it, now it's completely in your head. And somebody said to me, or said, maybe I heard this somewhere, that somebody said, you know, the worst thing that happened, one of the worst things that's happened to this team was that Catanzaro, remember the game against the Cleveland Browns that they had in the bag, and then they blew, mm-hmm. and then at the end of regulation, he misses a 40-yarder? Yep. Uh and then, um, no, it wasn't. It was towards the end of the game. He missed yep. the forty-yarder. Right. Then they went. Then at the end of regulation, the last play, in fact, he he bombs one from fifty-nine and makes it, and they win. Somebody said that's the worst thing that ever happened because if he doesn't make, if he, if let's say the fifty-nine yarder is no good, but the Bucks go into overtime and win the game and don't need a kick, they just win it outright with a touchdown. 
then I'm convinced that Catanzaro is cut and he's mm-hmm. not even on the field to screw up the Washington game. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or well, have to chase it's, a it's point like Dirk, in Cincinnati Dirk said, or Dirk whatever Dirk said it was. in the game against uh, the last game with, with uh, Jameis that Jameis hit the shot to Deshaun, so he gave him more time. Right. You know, it was that I, my, my decision was I was going to go to Fitzpatrick, but then all of a sudden he hits a long bomb. Okay, now I'm going to stick with him. Well, the same, it was the same thing with Catanzaro. Yep. I'm absolutely I'm convinced. Yeah, I'm it. convinced that the decision was made, and then he hits the game winner, and okay, now it's a 59-yarder. Now we've got to keep him. And you'll never know this, whether they would have won in overtime without a kick, but, like, you know, I do know that they, they'd have been better off the other day without him. I, I mean, it's weird, man. I, I, I can't explain it. It's the damnedest thing in the NFL right now. It's just weird. You know, and you have to have those guys. You can't, you, you know, you can't in not the NFL, make, the NFL got exactly what they wanted out of the extra point now. Oh, they They did. wanted to create a reason to watch the extra point. Yeah. You know, a you never watched it before. Play. After the touchdown, you went to the bathroom, grabbed a drink, grabbed some food. You, That's did, right. you never watched an extra point before. Sometimes all three. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it, w- it was too automatic. And it, it helped those guys take a practice shot, get their confidence going, get their rhythm going. They, they, they relied on it like a crutch. And that's why you're seeing place kicking so bad these days. But I don't know. Um, again, I don't know how, how strong Santos' leg is, whether he's going to be a fairly automatic touchback guy. You know, that's, that's one thing that the Bucks had, which, which was good. Um, but they had to make a move. I mean, you just had to do it. And so, you know, just to review, they fired the defensive coordinator. They benched the starting franchise quarterback. They put their own guy out there instead. Um, they fired the place kicker <laughs> and Dirk Cutter is now taking away the play calling duties so that he has them to himself. So other than that, I don't not see much them, going on at one buck. I don't see them doing anything different than they ever would. What I see is a lot of, a lot of people desperate for a win, just any win, you know, which is obvious. I mean, they well, have to. And the good thing is, and I know you've, you've been tweeting about this a lot with people because you've had some people saying, you know, oh, the oh. Bucks, they've given up. And it's, I don't see that thank on the field you. at all. At all. I don't. I don't. I'm sure there are people. But by the way, thank you to my Twitter fans. Man, you guys are a rough customer. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like half of them think that I'm in the bag for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I swear to you, the other half thinks I'm a Jameis Winston apologist, which must mean that I'm hitting it right down the middle of the fairway every time. But, boy, and, 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 you know, the thing is, like, somebody asked me, well, you got a feel for it. I do. I was walking down the ramp the other day with Tom Jones because the media elevator broke with these people. And I'm telling you, I hadn't been that close to fans other than, you know, they, their backs are to me in the press box. But I could feel it. I could feel the frustration. I see colors. I sound like Bill Walton all of a sudden. I, I could, yeah, it was just so strange. It was like they were silent. They were kind of marching. They were shaking their head, kind of angry and sick to their stomach. I mean, I literally could feel just how awful it is to be a Bucks fan that here we go again, another lost season. This is like 11 it's a, it's in a, a row. It's a decade worth of frustration at this point. It's over of it. Yeah, and, it's over a decade. And the hard part is, is and you've, you've talked about this before, and you and Tom talked about it on the podcast yesterday, you finally have an offense. I know. For the first time in the history of this franchise, you have an offense you can be excited about. I know. About. And it's fun to watch. You know? I mean, they're making plays like a real football team. 
I mean, I can think back to, you know, give me 17, as Warren Sapp would say, and Tony Dungy thinking, no, we should have won. We should have won that NFC championship game six to five. We had them. <laughs> and they gave up two of those points on a safety. I mean, really, it should have been six. It should have been six to three. And he believed that. He was mad at his defense, you know. But now it's 500 yards a game, man. It's 400 yards passing. Who doesn't want to watch that? I love watching that stuff. Well, we've talked yet, in we've talked in college football, and, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying there's anything to this, but we've talked in college football. You know, Florida has an identity, and sure, for, and for especially with Will Muschamp, they got away from it. Fun and gun, and, and, and throw it, a little bomb place. Is yep. the Bucks' identity really defense, and that's what they need to get back to? And I, I'm not saying they do, but you kind of wonder. I mean, some teams just have identities. It's true. Um, we talk about you know, it more in college than we do in the pros. No, it, it's true in the pros too a little bit. I mean, like Chicago's, or you know, you got to run the ball in Chicago. Well, so, some of that's the going. northern. You know, as you start getting November, yeah. December, and the weather, it but definitely helps. The Bears helps. do. The Bears do tend to play a certain way. Except the Packers don't run know? the ball, but well, no, no, <laughs> they can't. They got Aaron. Well, they, but they've had they got the gunslingers. They've yeah, had Aaron right. Rodgers and Brett Favre the yep. last hundred years. Um, you know, so I mean, there there is some merit to this is what what we do. We do what we do. The problem is, and I looked this up because I did a story on it, that if you took the top five offenses in the NFL, four of them have winning records, and a bunch of those are division leaders. But if you took the top five defenses in the NFL, only one of them has a winning record. I, so it's I, an I offensive think in, in the last the couple of years, it's really changed. A lot of the rules changes and everything else. Oh, it, it's, it's til- drastically tip- shifted in yeah. the last five years. It's the tipping point. They've gone past it. It's like you can't get, you can't do it. It's like it's gone too far now. Um, they can't. Nobody can stop anybody. You know, you can't hit, hit, can't hit a quarterback. You can't hit a receiver. Um, the ball's coming out fast. People are spreading these guys out, creating mismatches with running backs, on linebackers and stuff. And yeah, it's an offensive onslaught right now. It's incredible. Yeah, and I, th- I think also what you're seeing too is. With the, with these changing the rules and the way the offense are changed, you're really seeing who are the really good quarterbacks and who are just the good quarterbacks. True. I think you're seeing a bigger separation between the the Brady's, the Rodgers, the Mahomes. You know, at least for the season. I'm not going to say career yet, but you know, yeah. Compared to the middle of the pack, the 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 Andy Dalton's, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's, the you know, mm-hmm. name your middle of the, the pack quarterbacks. I think you're seeing a bigger gap the last few years between the elite quarterbacks and then the average ones. Yeah, because it's getting easier for them. Mm-hmm. And and even though, you know, a Jameis Winston can complete 70% or whatnot, you know what the difference is? Drew Brees right now, I would say, is the MVP of the league right now. If mm-hmm. I had to give one. You know, they, they've, they've lost one game to the Bucs. They, you know, they're great. And Breeze, I think, probably leads the NFL in passing. I haven't looked at the numbers. Uh, but what I do know about his numbers is this. 22 touchdowns, one interception. One. 22 and one. You want to know why those guys win? They don't turn it over. They don't. They protect the football. Or if they have a game where they turn it over, they lose too. And that is just not gotten. And the thing is, you know, you think about – Jameis Winston and he came in with this reputation of turning the ball over and he does but then you back him up with Ryan Fitzpatrick who also has has a penchant for that mm-hmm. we got back on the quarterback somehow we were talking about place kickers see what I did there yes 
Um, but nonetheless, so so we got the place kickers out of the way. That was news. We got, of course, Jameis Winston. What would be left? Well, the play calling, which we hinted out ah, a little bit, that Dirk took yeah. back over. And not sure he's, who's going to be calling the plays this week in New York. Yeah. Dirk has I said he hasn't decided yet. That was weird to me that he said that. I, I, I mean, it was just weird to me. I know they only scored three points, but they did have 501 yards. Um, he did say that his feelings were the reason he did it uh, Sunday was because he felt that with Washington, the way they were structured, that um, the Bucks were going to have to run the ball more and eat up some clock and help their defense. He thought that was important. So that says to me he didn't trust Munkin to really establish a run or call enough running plays. And and if even if you never looked at Munkin – or I'm sorry, Dirk Cutter during the game and realized he was calling plays, all it took for me was I think it was the second or third quarter – they had a second and eight inside the 20-yard line, and he ran it for like a yard or two. And I said, mm, that can't be him Call That can't be Munkin. Because Munkin would have been gunning that thing in the end zone every time, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially on second down, second and eight. You know, well, that's I, not I a wonder run down. if, you know, and you and I were talking a little before, but when, when, when I heard that Dirk had taken over the play calling and you had asked the question on Sunday, and he said he mm-hmm. took it over, and, and he didn't really give a reason. And then today he says it was about, you know, running the ball and making sure they were devoting more time to that, to, you know, to counter Washington's game. Help, help their defense. And to help too. the defense. Yeah. And kudos on the defense Sunday. Yeah, um, they did know, well. But they gave up 16 points, but several of those were short fields from turnovers too. So, Yeah, one of those field goals was for sure. Yep. So, But if, if Dirk's taking over the play calling, mm-hmm. is part of it thinking that the turnovers – that they're having is to blame from too aggressive a play calling. Does he think Munkin was being too aggressive with the play calling? I suppose it's possible. That's not the sense I got, but I think okay. it's possible. I mean, that was you know, my I mean, first he, thought of it is, is, you know, the play calling doesn't seem to be an issue on the team. I mean, you know, you can always sit there and look at any play call going, oh, we should have called this play now. And, you know, you can always yeah, do that in hindsight. Like a but, and sure. but you look at the, the consistency the offense has had pretty much all season give or take mm-hmm. a game or two, uh, you, you know, that it didn't seem like, you know, a lot of the, the turnovers, it's not like you're sitting there going, well, I really think it was the play call that was the problem. It was a bad play call that forced you into there or whatever. You never really, I never really got that sense from any of them. So I was just wondering if, if Dirk's not, you know, in his mind going, well, maybe we're being too aggressive. And, and I'm trying I mean, to cut down the turnovers. I mean, that's the way you cut him down is you turn and hand the ball off. I mean, and he's done that before with Jameis where, remember, they went to Carolina one time. Jameis is mm-hmm. in one of his, his binges because that's really what it is. It's binge interceptions, <laughs> like binge drinker. Um, and he went up to Carolina, and they ran that ball 10 straight times and went down the field and scored. And he was he was playing around his quarterback. I don't know. That he's entirely doing that, but you could certainly you could certainly say that, you know, maybe he wanted more balance and felt like Munkin wasn't going to give him that or something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a possibility. I I tend to think it's just this is it. You know that like mm-hmm. if I'm going down, I'm the one that's better than Munkin calling plays. I mean, and there's and even Munkin will tell you this. Like for as much success as Todd had early in the season, he knows. Cutter has far more experience and in, 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 in mm-hmm. has you know, got a way better offensive mind than Munkin does at this point. So he he gets it. He was a head coach before. It just it feels more like to me like a guy that, ah, uh, dang it, you know, 
I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. And and it's not that different than, you know, what you see around the NFL. I mean, Marvin Lewis fired the defensive coordinator. He's going to call defense. Mm-hmm. Lovey Smith called defense his last year. Um, you know, you had uh, Raheem Morris do that mm-hmm. one time as well. And you know, this this happens happens frequently when people just decide that, hey, seat's a little hot, and and if I'm going out, I'm going to go out guns a blazing my way. Yeah, that, I, that makes I sense. I mean, you know, I guess I, I won't say it surprised me that he took over play calling because, you know, I can understand, especially if you think this might be it, that I'm going to go out and, and you know, yeah. look, this is what I do best. So I'm going to I'm going right. to do this. I mean, that's, you know, why he got the job and how he made his career. It, right. it just, you know, you're sitting there going, the offense have been rolling all year. And granted, it's not like the offense took a step back against Washington other than the turnovers. 5 Yeah, other yeah, than the turnovers. They marched up and down yeah. the field. I mean, yeah. moving the ball was not a problem. Holding on to it that's right. that's or not right. giving it to the other team was the issue. That's not on the coach, though. You know, and your field goal kicker, too. Right. Uh, you know, so it's not like, you know, him taking over, it was a bad thing. No, that's not why you would do it. I, again, I just think it's, you know, he's at a point in the year where he probably, I don't know if he got talked into it or, or you know, thought that it would work out better than it did, but... If he's got seven games left, all you know, with all due respect, he would rather uh, he'd rather be the play caller. So, I don't know, man. A lot of weird stuff over there. This is turning into a strange year for sure. But we'll have lots to talk about uh, with the Bucks as the uh, as the week moves forward, and uh, of course we'll you know we'll have Ryan Fitzpatrick available later this week on Thursday, and uh, the defensive coaches on Wednesday. Matt Baker will come aboard sometime this week. Uh, with college football. Oh, I mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, this was a neat thing, Steve. You told me about this. Uh, Marty St. Louis went into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame on uh, Monday, and Mm -hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is congratulations to him. It's wonderful. The Tampa Bay Lightning were going to begin a a road trip in Buffalo and were in place. And so what is it now? They took the entire team across the border to Toronto? They flew to Buffalo on Monday. And, of course, it's not that far from Toronto, which is where the yeah. Hockey Hall of Fame is. So I don't know if the yeah. entire team went, but I know the Lightning put up a, a video of, you know, Stephen Stamkos and John Cooper and a lot of the – there was a lot of players getting off the bus. They didn't show the whole team getting off, but a lot of players getting off and surprised Marty. Marty didn't know they That's were coming great. over. Uh, they That's came so over cool. for the ceremony on Monday night, which is really cool. And, of course, you know, Stephen Stamkos and several other – Victor Hedman I know played with them and, um, you know, several players have played with Marty and, and even some of the – you know, there's a lot of veterans on the team that I don't know if Girardi and them played with. I don't think they played with St. Louis here, but actually some of those Rangers players may have played with Marty in New York too. So uh, I saw Ryan McDonough was in attendance. So uh, very cool that uh, the Lightning uh, made the journey over on, on an off night Monday since they happened to be down the road, you know, an hour or two, whatever it is, between Buffalo and Toronto. That was good timing. Couldn't have been any better unless you were playing in Toronto. So that was uh, that worked out pretty well yep. for sure. Also, Manager of the Year, Major League Baseball is handing out their awards, so Manager of the Year is tonight, and then mm-hmm. that means the Cy Young is on Wednesday. So you have Kevin Cash is up for the Manager of the Year, and then, of course, Blake Snell, I think, is going to win the Cy Young Award. Yeah, I think Cash finished third, will finish third in the American League Manager of the Year Award, and then I think Blake Snell will win the Cy Young. So, And Joey Wendell, we found out on Monday night, finished fourth in the, rookie of the rook, AL Rookie of the Year balloting. He did not wow. make the, the three finalists, but he did finish fourth. Still pretty cool, man. They found some real ball players. I mean, this is uh, that's pretty cool to have almost three guys nominated for your top awards in baseball. So that's uh, that's appointment viewing as well. Yep. 
So hope hope you guys pay attention to that. We'll talk about that as well tomorrow. And uh, the Light- Lightning are in Buffalo tonight to start a four game road trip. Uh, mm-hmm. Anton Strawman, they are hoping to get back at some point on this road trip. Don't expect to see him tonight. Uh, Victor Hedman came back Saturday, which was good. That was a disappointing loss Saturday. Oh man, uh, they they fall down two nothing to Ottawa, take a four two lead, and end up losing six to four. Uh, kind of fell apart in the third period. Uh, yeah, just a real disappointing loss. Kind of, I guess, payback for the the win they got in Ottawa that they kind of stole from them in the final thirty seconds with Ryan McDonough. Mm-hmm. Uh, stopping a potential three-on-zero breakaway for an empty net, and then stealing the puck, giving to Tyler Johnson over to Braden Point, and in the net it went. That's crazy. To send it to overtime. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Lightning have a four-game trip. This one is Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Buffalo, by the way, is a better team than they've been the last few years. Um, I believe they're. If the playoffs started today, they're in the playoffs. Wow. Which you never think of, but they got a lot of good young players. Then they're at Pittsburgh, which they never play well at Pittsburgh. Uh, at Philly on Saturday afternoon, and then they'll be in Nashville on Monday night before returning home the night before Thanksgiving against the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, the, season, the season's off to a great start for the Lightning. You're right, it was a tough loss, but uh, those guys got it going. So, And they've been good on the road. We'll see if they can keep it going on the road as well. In college football, so, you mentioned Matt Baker. How about yep. college game days coming to Orlando on Saturday? Uh, those folks got to be jacked up about that. Those those people at USF are going to roll. No, wait a minute. They're not so happy about that, right? No, no. It's it's it's. By the way, it's my Bearcats, which I'm, I'm a Michigan fan that. and have been since I was a wee little kid, which is why I'm a Michigan fan. But I did go to the University of Cincinnati. So nine and one, Very excited. man. Yeah, they're nine, nine and, one. and one. Very excited. Uh, I'm going to head over to the game yeah. Saturday night. So that'll be a cool atmosphere, and in the morning too. I can't wait to turn on College Game Day and uh, and see see everybody. Of course, I'll be. I'll be my, on my way at that point to the Big Apple, to New York, actually staying in New, New Jersey. Got Are you going to go to the Notre Dame-Syracuse game in New York on Saturday? Uh, you know, I could. It's at Yankee I Stadium. Suppose. Is it really? Yeah, the Shamrock Series at Yankee Stadium, Saturday night. Now you got me thinking. Oh, it's at night? I believe it's Saturday night. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, yeah, it's 7.30 on NBC, I believe. So. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do the night thing, man. It's, let me tell you, it's tough when you wake up on the road on Sunday morning <laughs> and you've been out at night. I might have to take it easy. I may not even go into the big city. I don't know. I might just stay in New Jersey with the club. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, but yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, big weekend coming up ahead. But still got plenty this week, so check out uh, TampaBay.com. All the Bucks news, of course, and uh, what's going on with the Lightning and the Rays. And we're here every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And uh, remember now, if you've got air conditioning needs, and there's a lot of choices you guys have, Please go see our friends, uh, Howard and Sue Million. They have uh, been in this area for a long time, and currently they have 0% interest for 72 months on uh, all their equipment and products. Get a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit or maybe schedule service or maintenance. Here's what you do. You call 727-862-2100. That's 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Hope you guys have a great day, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.